everyone to polk and kush it is monday november 20th 2023 and you're welcome everyone for an early week edition of polk and kush that's what people love about the polk and kush podcast is the consistency (laughs) you have no idea what day of the week and you have no idea if it's coming out that week this week was a special week. We all had uh, better stuff to do. Yes. Yeah. So <laughs> we didn't want to do an episode. So that's why you're getting a Monday morning feast for your ears. Yes. Doesn't it, that make the drive to work better on Monday? You spend all Sunday night with the Sunday scaries, mm-hmm. the anxiety, the just worrying about going to your job at the cinder block factory. <laughs> and here you go. An early Thanksgiving present. I will say that's the biggest difference between parents of young kids and parent, people who are not parents of young kids. I don't think at all on Sunday about <laughs> having, like, oh, no, what do I have to do at work? I'm like, oh, my God, I get to go to work on, <laughs> on Monday. It's going to be so quiet there. It's going to be sick. Uh, yeah, no, that the uh, concept of Sunday Scary basically ended the second a baby entered my house uh, <laughs> six years ago. So. You have the constant scary. Yes, I have. I have the Friday scaries. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, this week is like hellacious. You've got Thanksgiving break coming up and it's like, oh, oh yeah. man, this, the they're doing a half day on Tuesday and then a whole three days off. I was like, what are we doing here? You're going to be with your kids too much, too much, too much, six days in a row. And it's really from that, like the sham of working those first three weeks in December, everybody quit working on (laughs) Thursday (laughs) and they're not going to start again until January 3rd. That's just how it is. I know I was out Friday afternoon uh, in the quarter and, it was packed, and I was like, and it was local. And I was like, yeah. what's going on here? I was like, nobody, nobody's working. <laughs> Four, so I guess it's six days before Thanksgiving. We've all decided that, that we've had enough. <laughs> like this is such a fake town. It's very European. It's yeah, oh yeah, European. They love to celebrate Thanksgiving in <laughs> Europe. <laughs> so European. Uh, the uh, it's like if you ever drive through like suburban DC at like 9 p.m. All the lights are on. Everyone's working all the time. <laughs> it's literally like 11 a.m. on the Friday, six days before Thanksgiving in this town. Just the like, tumbleweeds going across. Yep. Like you know, the the uh, sewage and water board is all uh, laying in the sex room on the in the, in the back, <laughs> you know, by themselves. It is a uh, clown town, USA. We love it because of it. Uh, but yeah, it's it's a real mess, and uh, I, I think it's going to be a very. This fun is the week one thing the here. city is doing right: it's not great. working. Yes, we're so good at not working, which is great when you're not working, but is less great when the people that you are relying upon are also not working. Yeah, like the daycare teachers and <laughs> the people who, f- you know, who are supposed to fix the sewer. <laughs> That kind of stuff, you know. <laughs> but you had a, a very uh, a big work weekend yourself, touring with Mr. Todd Berry uh, throughout, you know, the I ten corridor of Louisiana. That's How did right. that go? The the 
small but pivotal role in Pootie Tang. <laughs> you could forget. Uh, we did uh, the Acadiana Arts Center in Lafayette. We okay. did the Manship Theater in Baton Rouge. And then we did the barn at NOLA Brewing. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were all great. Uh, you know, I've known Todd for 11, 12 years. Mm-hmm. Toured with him. I'm in his book. And it was Famous. it was good to catch up with them and hang out and shit on everybody and have some good shows. Yeah, so you seem like you're back into comedy now, huh? Yeah, all the way, I'm both back feet. In the game making making enough money again that I have to pay taxes on it. <laughs> that's, that's the dream. Well, you find when your regular life uh, is, you know, just waking <laughs> up and going, uh I got to do this again. You start looking for other outlets. Yes. So. And you're good at it, which is unfortunate. Yeah. Because if you sucked at it, you wouldn't have to even worry about it. You well, know? it's like, who who am I to keep this gift to myself? Exactly. Most, <laughs> pretty much every comedian is terrible. <laughs> I have a curse that I have to share with the world. Just because it would be... What, yeah. Unfair for me to keep it. Yes. Anybody that came to the show and saw me and is listening to this is like, this guy's totally. Like, yeah, young Mozart over here <laughs> joking about car robberies. <laughs> <laughs> Giving, you know, Jeff Landry jokes. Yeah, that's uh, yeah, this is this is what we needed from uh, Beethoven, the next coming of Beethoven. Uh, well, it was good. I'm glad you got some shows in. Are you going to be like doing more do you have dates still coming out or are you pretty much on a break now i don't have anything for the rest of the year that's like worthwhile so if you want polk to do your christmas party yeah he's gonna roast roast your employees i got asked at my regular job if i would do stand up at a party oh i can't think of anything worse than that i mean Talk about like a floodgate. Yeah. Like, what if I start talking? Yeah, I know. It's like it Johnson the caster. He's been banging other ladies forever. <laughs> His wife's just standing right next to him. <laughs> you guys know old drunk Steve over here. He loves to take a nip at lunch. Yeah. His A sponsor is like, you know. <laughs> I, that would either go one of two ways. I would immediately get fired or I would immediately get promoted. Yeah. I think you might be the CEO. If you yeah. hit it exactly right, <laughs> nail on head, that's what you can do. I'm I'm too dangerous to be trusted in that scenario. Yes. Because I just kind of go into a trance and say. Well, yeah. Yeah. You've got the ability to. uh to read through bullshit, which is the you want to wade on top of the bullshit when you are in a corporate setting like that, especially like a a Christmas a holiday Christmas party. You are keeping it light. That's all anybody wants to do. Yeah, be like we're going to talk about the weather. We're going to talk about the pain in the ass customer. We're going to tell a story or two. That's it. Like get me out of here. I've done corporate holiday parties before, uh, most notably Rick's. Oh, nice. I did the Rick's Christmas party <laughs> and there was a Kiss cover band playing on one stage and I was performing at the exact same time. If you've been to Rick's, you know the stages are like 20 feet apart. Yeah. Never been there. I wouldn't know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was in quadrant L7, your preferred section. It has a plaque with your name on it. <laughs> <laughs> good good paying gig. Yeah. Yeah. 
take that. But you know, you can't compete with that's Gretna's number two <laughs> Kiss cover band. <laughs> Last night I was like, wow, I finally get to share the stage that the Gentilly Pepper, the Red Hot Gentilly Peppers, have been on. That is the best band name I've ever heard. Yeah, the Red Hot Gentilly Peppers is great. Are they only a Chili Peppers cover band too? I would presume. Yeah, that's. I mean, it could be a '90s cover band, right, or whatever. Just you know, Red Hot Gentilly Peppers is perfect. I'm all in on them. Um, did you get an opportunity to watch any basketball while yeah. you were doing it? Yeah, I saw the Nuggets game. Yeah. Which was weird because normally when I watch the Pelicans, they lose. Mm-hmm. And when I don't watch them, they win by a lot. Yeah. So that one bucked the trend there. And, you know, other than that, mostly just highlights. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Look, there was a lot of doom and gloom. We didn't record last week, so we kind of avoided a lot of it. Mm-hmm. But uh, they had lost what I believe was four in a row, maybe five in a row. Several of those were blowouts. Uh, you know, the Mavericks crushed them. The Timberwolves crushed them. Uh, it had been a, a very dispiriting week uh, for this team. A lot of questions about the big picture of design and Ingram work together. The general tenor of watching those games was even worse than the results in that everyone looked miserable on the court uh ingram and zion both putting forward very little effort at all uh and so there was panic is the wrong word because it wasn't total panic but there was definitely some very like wow we've been doing this four years we still don't have any positive reinforcement that this duo really works mm-hmm. together and there's not a lot of other options to get out of it because I don't think either of them carry a lot of trade value. So the panic was uh, was at least on the precipice and they really reeled it back in in the last few days, beating Dallas at home uh, a night after getting or two nights after getting just annihilated by them. Uh, Pelicans probably played their best game uh, of the season at that point in beating Dallas. And then uh, the Nuggets come in, the defending champions. Nikola Jokic has one of the most outrageous stat lines you'll ever see. Uh, and, you know, took a shirt off at the bar to celebrate it. And the Pelicans won anyway. Uh, so, and then the next night, which is, that's a tough plan to back-to-back. Zion decides to sit, and we'll get into that a little bit. Zion sits. And even then, the Pelicans only lose by one in what was a very exciting, interesting game. I think everyone has stepped back from the ledge. What looked like it was going to be like an eight-game losing streak is now peppered in with some really good performances. Mm -hmm. You start to see a world in which they survive through this thicket of injuries and get themselves into position uh, to kind of fight for what's important. Yeah, it seemed like Brandon Ingram, uh, you know, he had a very good game against the Timberwolves. Kind of showed the potential of how Brandon Ingram can work with this team. Yeah. And unfortunately, that is without Zion. Yeah, I know that's the problem. I mean, that's that's how it works for him. Yes. And you really start wondering, there, there seems to be more pressure and more talk on social media about Brandon Ingram is not the right fit for this team. It yeah. seems to be getting more accepted by the day, regardless of the two good wins and the one sure. crushing, baffling loss. Yeah. Yeah, and I think a lot and the, some advanced stats had come out uh after the 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 you know, brutality against the uh, Mavericks last Sunday. Uh basically that that Ingram was among one of the worst starters in the NBA, you know, on court, off court, the way they compare that with 
you know, efficiencies and whether it was with Zion or without it, the numbers were all bad. I mean, they're very, very bad. And uh, it, the Pelicans were almost, it, it didn't matter whether or not he was playing. And it's like, this guy's like a max money guy. Yeah. He's like among one of the worst starters in the NBA, much less one of the worst max guys in the NBA. I was like, this is a real problem. Uh, he definitely, ha- and he obviously has way more ability than that, and he's proven that he's certainly a, a, a usable, good piece. The question is now, when you start seeing performances like that for stretches at a time, it's like you got to make a decision pretty soon if you're going to hand this guy $50 million a year yeah. and lock in for a long period of time, at least four or five years. And I don't think you can feel comfortable making that decision right now with him. The time is a lot more daunting than the money. You know, the money's not real, but seven more years. I know. And it's not as if it's going to be easy to move him. He does. He has no history of winning. Right. So, and, and he's got skills, but most of those skills obviously don't mesh with a lot of guys because he controls the ball a lot and all that. He's, he's really primarily a scorer and doesn't do a whole lot else, et cetera, et cetera. But then you do see him on these other games and these other nights, and you're like, yeah, he's a, a all-world talent basketball player and can put it together and do stuff on a court that makes you go, wow, this dude is unbelievable. But yeah, if you're talking about spending that kind of money and committing that kind of years, and especially if you don't think it works well next to Zion, every time they go through a little gully like they went through, you're like, this this should raise more alarms amongst the brass of the Pelicans yeah. than it seems to. Because they seem so doggedly determined that Brandon Ingram is like the second coming, you know, the rising from the mm-hmm. ashes uh, carrying the franchise, and it's like he's just never been that dude, you know. You wonder if it's a motivation thing or if it's just cohesiveness with Zion. Yeah, and you know, looking at kind of the medical history and stuff like that. Yeah, you know, you kind of think, or at least I do, that it might just be: Does this guy really have it in him? Does he really give a shit? And, Is yeah. he really this guy, or is he? Just an Andrew Polk type, just all the talent, <laughs> all the talent in the world, and just a you know lightning hasn't struck yet. And, and I think that's the strangest part of the whole bi sequence to me is when you talk to everyone in positions of power at the Pelicans, and this has been true for years. They rave about his work ethic in the off season and how he only cares about basketball, and he's not a guy. He's obviously not a guy that is at clubs and bars and doing Instagram bullshit like he is very focused on uh, the stuff that matters supposedly right but then there's random games where he's out for way too long for an injury that seems way too minor you watch him during the game and he doesn't seem as competitive as you'd like him to be Uh, you know as as hard as it is for us to judge body language for what it is we're going to judge body language for what it is sometimes. And sometimes he just does not look interested in competing defensively or on the glass. And you're like, and the ball stops when it gets to him on certain nights. He's dribbling around for no reason. You're like to take difficult two pointers. And you're like, I don't know what's happening here that like this guy who's being built as the, you know, paragon of competitiveness, you know, like the, the Michael Jordan, Larry bird, whatever, Mm -hmm. like that world, like that style competitor. It's like, 
I don't see any of that shit. I don't know where these guys are getting it from, but they're obviously getting it from somewhere. They've been around him for a long time yeah. and they love him. And so it's very strange to me how he still kind of is in a, a total enigma between his reputation internally and what you're getting externally from him. When players dribble as much as he does with as few assists as he has, you start hearing talk about how selfish they are or how they don't trust their teammates. Yeah. And it seems like he has avoided that. Yeah. I think by being a low-key personality, mm-hmm. if it was Ja Morant in this situation, that would be forefront of the discussion. Yeah. When you're losing, mm-hmm. as long if what it, you can do whatever you want, as long as you're winning, no one really cares. But if you're doing that stuff and you're losing, everyone start usually questions, you know, uh, negative aspects of of you know what can come out of those circumstances. He, yeah, really largely avoids that, and I don't think he's criticized that much internally about it either i don't think the team i don't think anyone is criticized internally. no one really yeah it's, there well, is no well, i know zion is yeah i don't think they like zion very much <laughs> I it's think... funny how like the second zion kind of stands up for himself and expresses his <laughs> yeah. side of things and becomes likable that's when the pelicans go well fuck this guy yeah and i think that was the, and you know he like took it back the next night uh, if you did not see it, Zion uh, took to a post-game press conference and said, like, I'm just, you know, accepted my role as, like, being just a cog in the offense and not, like, what it revolves around. And it didn't seem all that prompted the way he said it, and it definitely sounded like there was some frustration there. Mm-hmm. He has not played to the level that he had played at in previous seasons when he's healthy. Um, but he's still, you know, putting up numbers, and he's still producing highlights but yeah he doesn't have the same bounce he's not nearly as effective at the rim as he was for i mean that was the the thing it was like it didn't matter what you did to try to defend him if he got that mm-hmm. going left and he spins around you he's gonna score yeah and now he's getting raced at the rim a lot he's not getting the same amount of offensive rebounds that he was getting and so you could see that sort of tailing off and now he's also saying that it's partly it's the system and you're like, ooh, like there's a little, there's a little tension there, because I do think Brandon Ingram is held up as within the franchise is held up as kind of this perfect guy. This is who we want they're built around, and they're like, well, Zion is kind of a shithead, because Zion is. He's all the off the court distractions. He went through all that crap this summer. He's you know gets has all the commercials, all the whatever, and it's like, and it's not like he's a particularly I don't know. He's not Draymond. He's not out there barking at people and talking whatever. He's not. I So I don't understand why there is that side of things, but you can feel the difference in how the two of them are sort of treated. Does it feel like raising a teenager? And we went through like emo Zion <laughs> yes. where he was sad uh-huh. and wanted to watch anime. <laughs> And now Zion gets a girlfriend or two, uh-huh. and now he's got a real big attitude. Yeah, exactly. He's a dude with a dude, man. Uh, <laughs> What's the next phase for Zion? I don't know, but like that was I was a weird thing for Willie Green. So Zion missed the second half of the back-to-back, did not play in the Minnesota game, and instead of them being like, oh, yeah, the training staff held him out, which is probably the cover you should provide that would be expected and believable and it's already happened once this season yeah he's had and and, uh, there's just no planet on which 
the reason he's not playing back-to-backs. It doesn't have some input from the training staff, mm-hmm. right? And basically, Willie Green came out and was like, eh, you know, sort of his decision. It was like he kind of said he doesn't feel up to it and all that stuff, which goes against everything we've seen from Zion for a long time. But it does feel like that's kind of like throwing him under the bus in a weird way, right? And almost yeah. to protect themselves from being criticized for sitting Zion in a home game on a Saturday night when people are going to be there. And, you know, instead they can sort of pin it on Zion, which I don't think they've done to Ingram. I might be wrong, but some of those games where it's like Ingram's been out for how long with a, you know, pinky sprain? Like, yeah, it was nothing. A sore knee is what he had. Why missed three games? I mean, they would say that it was his decision and he didn't feel up to it at that point. But there may not have been... You know, there may not have uh, been as much stank on it mm-hmm. because they weren't upset with him at the level that they yeah. could be with Zion. Yeah. But it, I do get the impression watching the two of them play. And I know there's a lot of problems with Zion. He's got all the flaw. Uh, he's my my baby boy. I, I love him so much because he has all of my base instincts in life. He has all of them. He's <laughs> got a problem with... Women and money and uh, food and exercise and doesn't like to play defense or rebound. If I had the most base if every negative part of my brain was fed into when I was 19 or whatever years old, this is probably how I would be as well. I'm nowhere close to that, though, because I had to make decisions in life in a different manner okay, <laughs> and grow up in a different environment. He, however, has been allowed to kind of live all those base instincts out in a totally different way and that he kind of avoids the stuff that's hard a lot of the times. Uh, And I do see that, and it is disappointing to watch a game and he's like sort of just like moping to the ref after he doesn't get a call. and They're literally playing four on five on the (laughs) other end and he's just standing there like looking at the referee for 30 seconds. Um, That's Zion's special move on 2K. (laughs) It's just shrugging. And just pray they miss the shot on the other end and they'll throw the ball down and he can do a (laughs) windmill dunk. Uh, So I get that. And he definitely doesn't defend well. He doesn't rebound well. But there is something about watching him where it's like, that guy's not replaceable. Mm -hmm. It's like that. There's no one else who's doing that. Like, there's moments where he gets the ball, makes a move, does a thing, and you're like, oh, shit. Like, no one else can do this. And we haven't gotten to that point with him. There has yeah. not been consistent superstar Zion on the Pelicans. Yeah. And you just, you want to see it work. Well, you've seen it, but you've seen it for a month. Yeah. You haven't seen it for a season. Mm-hmm. But uh, when I think about, you have to choose between Ingram and Zion, right? Somewhere down the line, it seems like that's where we're headed. And it's like, one guy seems pretty replaceable, even though he's the guy they love. And the other guy, they don't seem to like as much, but he seems completely irreplaceable. Yeah. And he's not, they're not even playing that well with Zion. It's not as if he's had some incredible year. You can just look at him play and go like, yeah, like this is what a guy who makes $50 million is supposed to be able to do. Well, I think it's because we can see it play out. And yeah. we saw it play out with Chris Paul to some degree, and especially Anthony Davis. Yeah. You know that the second Zion leaves, he's going to be exactly what you wanted the whole time. <laughs> no. And you're the just ceiling gonna, is so high You're going to see him in a Hawks jersey uh-huh. being the Zion that he was for 34 games <laughs> over five years. Yeah. yeah. And it's just like, I don't want to see that. I know. It, it, hap- it happens constantly with Saints players. It doesn't happen super often with Pelicans. Yeah. This was, you know, 
lightning in a bottle. It's never going to happen again. Yeah. The Pelicans could very easily and definitely will get the number one pick again, <laughs> but it's not. It's not going to be Zion, and it never will be. No, I know, and that's like there's a when Manana, a Zion, and AD. There's there's not that many number ones who are like that. Like Cade Cunningham is not a guy who I think most people give a crap about. Yeah, and he was a number one pick. You know, it's like there's. It does, just because you get a number one pick doesn't mean you've got the guy. Zion is one of those guys, and he is not playing all that well, but he does seem like someone you're like, yeah, you got to give this guy the keys before you give the other guy the yeah. keys. Like, Zion should be who the team is built around, but they don't trust him for a variety of reasons, most of which are very understandable, mm-hmm. uh, on court and off, and just his availability. Uh, but I just want the franchise to be built about Zion and not built about Ingram. And I don't know how that's going to work because I know how they feel about Ingram and I like Brandon Ingram. It's impossible to not like him. He doesn't do anything that's unlikable by any stretch. I just don't see that extra like spark of like, man, this guy is a superstar. Like you can't not, you you want to go to the building to watch Brandon Ingram, and I don't. Like, does anybody? Like, do you think about, like, if you're going to the game and Brandon Ingram's not playing, are you like, oh, man, I could have seen something really special tonight, and he's not playing. I mean, you can go by the jerseys. Yeah. What jerseys are kids wearing? Yeah. They're wearing Zion jerseys. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> but he's got to play, and I get, like, I do get the predicament that they are in, but I have more fun watching CJ, I have mm-hmm. more fun watching Trey Murphy than half of last year. Like, there's dudes who are doing stuff. I, I mean, I love watching Herb Jones just from a basketball nerd perspective. Um, there is just something about Ingram where I think it's just because of the salary that I know he's going to command that I just like can't fully wrap my brain around why he's that valuable to the league like how is he worth 30 percent of your cap especially when the pelicans seem to be doing a good job with their younger players dyson daniels in particular yeah the draft picks have been great they've been very good and and it doesn't it you don't feel like you have to rely so much on the two superstar system when you have a consistent real team around it. yes the supporting cast seems to be in place and that includes Jonas, who's probably going to end up getting traded fairly soon but i think he's played well uh but yeah the draft picks just look at him i mean trey murphy obviously hasn't played much alvarado's been out uh as well but when naji marshall came back it all started coming together <laughs> that was all we needed naji marshall there's the you know what like once a month naji marshall game we were like hey this is the guy <laughs> and then you remember it's like oh he's like the 10th man you probably shouldn't put this on him as what he's supposed to be doing every night uh, but yeah, everybody's super happy with the young guys. Yeah, well, Dyson Daniels has been much better this mm-hmm. year. Jordan Hawkins and Herb Jones. I mean, all three of those guys have been really, really good. Those are all you know guys they drafted. The only one that hasn't done much, I suppose, is Kyra, um, and that probably isn't going to last much longer. I wouldn't think. Yeah. But if you can have a team that five of the dudes you drafted are pretty valuable pieces to your team. That's a good start. It's a mm-hmm. lot better than it was under Dell Dems. I don't think they had one guy they drafted on the, They literally won was AD, and they picked the first pick, uh, and everybody else wasn't. So, yeah, they've done a good job of drafting, developing. All the things on the fringes, they seem to have done really well. It's addressing what to do about the mega superstar issue uh, that is going to linger over them. But 
I do think we're, we're we're a couple paces now back from the abyss. I don't think anybody is ready to uh, to completely throw in the towel on them. Interesting week coming up. I believe they have Sacramento on Wednesday. They have Sacramento tonight and on Wednesday as well. Both Which, at home? These like back-to-back is, with the same. Yeah, it's both at home. But Oh, Mon- I did not. I kind of forgot they had Monday at home. Okay. Uh, yeah, that's a long homestand. Uh, so two games against Sacramento. Those will obviously two, be two big tests. And then would you say they go on the road Friday? Friday, they'll be in uh, Los Angeles uh, facing the Clippers. And that's a tournament game, I believe, as well. Yeah. So uh, I don't care about the tournament until if they win the group, we'll talk about the tournament. If they win the group, I'll figure out what the tournament is. Yeah, that's and right. what it means <laughs> other than the horrific. The courts, man. It's like, would you guys do this on Microsoft Paint <laughs> yes. with the neon colors? I think like an 11 year old designed it. It's horrific. The red ones are impossible. They're all horrific. They're all ba- they're they're all bad. The red ones are you cannot watch the game. Why do you have a line that correlates to I guess it correlates to the free throw line going through the middle of the court. <laughs> I would rather the entire court be red or the entire court be blue or purple or whatever. This was such a stupid Yeah. Yeah, that's accurate. I was... keep keep the wacky shit to the uniforms. Like don't blind people. Yeah, that's the part. I was like, I did, was that necessary? I guess they needed to make a statement that you everyone who's watching it knows it's a tournament game. Otherwise, there's really no way to like they because don't have it's to so do new. that for the playoffs. No, because it's the playoffs. Everyone <laughs> knows it's the playoffs. But I think this thing is like no one quite knows and. If you had the normal courts, even with different uniforms, because they wear a hundred different uniforms, that no one would really have an idea. At least now, if you turn on any game and it's got a goofy ass court, you're like, "Oh, it's a tournament game." And <laughs> at some point, hopefully, they add some real stakes to it. Right now, it's just money. Mm-hmm. But if you had a, you know, a playoff spot or the ability to jump up five games in the stand, there's got to be some incentive that ties back into the real season. Because this is, it just feels like, all right. They're going to win the tournament, and then what? You're going to raise a, a banner, and mm-hmm. no one is going to remember? Any, you know? like, yeah. It just seemed very odd. Well, it seemed like they spent all their money getting Michael Imperioli to do that commercial. <laughs> and no, it's good. It's good there was, but there was no commercial explaining what the fuck it is. <laughs> it was just him. Like, hey, remember me? Yeah. I mean, there's literally no stakes to it in any real terms. The yeah. stakes are just... To win the tournament. Everyone's like, all right, well, what does that mean? It's like, hey, it's like winning the preseason NIT. Yeah. Or winning the, you know, Chick-fil-A classic kickoff, you know, like <laughs> just nothing. You know, you get to wear a leather helmet for an afternoon. Uh, there's just nothing to it. So anyway, it is nice. The Pelicans have stepped away uh, from the deepest of the deep holes and things are going to be uh, more interesting as we move forward. Hopefully they keep getting guys back healthy. I think Alvarado is supposed to play soon. So we will keep our eye on that three-game week coming up. So we'll have a lot more to talk about after Thanksgiving break. Before then, though, we, of course, are going to check in on our off-week Saints. So stick around right here, Polk and Kush. There's so much to be thankful for. Family, friends, food, and NFL football all week long. DraftKings Sportsbook is keeping your Thanksgiving week full of action. 
New customers can bet just five bucks on the NFL action to score 150 instantly in bonus bets. No matter your appetite, there's something for you. Money lines, parlays, props, live bets, and so much more. You name it, they've got it. If you're looking for gambling action tonight on Monday Night Football, the Eagles are a a two-and-a-half-point dog. You're getting two-and-a-half points in Kansas City. You don't often get points when you're betting on the Philadelphia Eagles. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code Kush. New customers can bet five on the NFL Thanksgiving action to score 150 instantly in bonus bets. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL with code Polk and Kush. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in New York, 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. Please play responsibly. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-777 or visit ccpg.org. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort, Kansas, must be 21 or older in most eligible states, but age varies by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details in state-specific responsible gambling resources. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. Terms at sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms. Did you enjoy your Sunday? Because it was so nice knowing that I did not have to watch the New Orleans Saints. Even when they win, you're just like, oh, what a relief to wake up and know that I'm not going to have three hours of tortured tweeting and texting people like, what is going on? <laughs> a friend of mine tweeted that he forgot the Saints were on a bye week, so he'd accidentally gotten drunk. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, I could have just enjoyed my day. I'm telling you, it really is like, it makes you want to, reevaluate your life how much better you feel when you don't have a bye week oh yeah you know or when you do have a bye week it's like oh yeah i didn't even have to think about it today the games were on i kind of wasn't paying attention to anything yeah it was, it was beautiful. like doing chores cleaning stuff yeah it was really getting my life together yeah and instead now we've got what i guess eight straight weeks of saints football coming yeah up. we sure seven do. straight seven straight they're five and five is that right? A good podcast we've got here. This is this is <laughs> we're, we're we're learned. We're up on the team. Siri, what is the New Orleans Saints? <laughs> a, lot, a lot of show prep for that one. What's the record of the team? <laughs> uh, yeah, I think it's seven straight weeks. We're gonna have to uh, to to watch this. It team is now. it is seven games. Yeah, uh, again, all of them, uh, for the exception of one, are against uh, horrendous uh, quarterbacks, mostly against bad teams. A lot of these teams will not even be trying by the time they play the Saints. Meanwhile, the Saints' competition continues to be awful. Uh, not only did Carolina lose as expected, the Buccaneers got beat in San Francisco. Uh, unfortunate for them for them having to play a first place schedule. The Saints get to play Brett Rippon in uh, L.A. and the <laughs> and the Buccaneers had to go play the 49ers with like nine you know all pro players on offense. So it's like 
slightly different experiences based on your schedule finish. Yeah, how is that how is that even remotely fair? It's not. <laughs> it's not, but that's the way the NFL, you know, like three or three or four of your games are determined by what place you finished in the division the last year. Mm-hmm. As an I guess it's just a their way of optimizing matchups. So you know you're going to get games of first place teams. The reason the Eagles and the Chiefs are playing or whatever, you know. You get more of those types of matchups uh, if you are to do it that way. But uh, seriously, what a what a shit show! Like yeah. to to have to watch this division and know that someone's going to end up in the playoffs is just sad. They should really change it to where if the division stinks, yeah, you don't get to go to the you, playoffs. Yeah, you don't have to go. <laughs> This isn't. This is not a woke NFL where everybody gets a trophy. They want the best. They don't want. They don't want regional diversity. They want whoever's the most qualified. Yeah, it's like I know this is going to be noon on a Sunday. You know, on a playoff home game, and the stadium's going to be sixty-five percent Cowboys fans. I mean, are you or a Seahawks fans? Whatever it is. This would lead us to believe that the Saints are better than Pittsburgh. The Saints, yeah, I know, yeah. <laughs> yeah, come on, yeah, I know. The Saints are better than the Bills. The Bills, exactly. Yeah, I know the Bengals. Well, I guess without Burrow, but yes, there is a, a world in which a lot of teams with significantly better talent are not going to be playing, uh, and the Saints will be. But it's they got a long way to go. Still, this game against Atlanta coming up is uh, obviously pivotal. Uh, to this division race. The Saints have already lost a game uh, to Tampa, and so that puts you behind the eight ball. I believe if the Saints win, they will have a two-game clearance, though, above everybody else in the division, uh, and that is just massive uh, entering you know the last, as you go basically into December. They're not good. I think we all know they're not good. I mean, the last time we saw them was against Minnesota, and, and Josh Jobs tore them up, and, uh, and the Saints... Even as Jameis Winston kind of pulled them back into interesting moments, uh, it's still Jameis Winston, so you're not going to get much out of that. But yeah, it's a really low bar to win this division. I mean, a really low, a bar that's so low to win this division that I don't think it should matter. But I know that's not how it works. That's how it's being set up right now. Is the narrative is just the standard is win the division. It's like why does that matter? It's a four-team division. Three of the teams suck. Why is that a goal? Like, what? Why does that make you uh, achieve something because you did that? Because you happen to be playing in a bad division. It makes no. In college, it makes sense because the teams that you're competing against are in your conference. It's who you recruit against. It's like your level. You yeah. know, like no one expects UNO to beat Kansas. You know, it's like you want them to win their conference. This is the NFL. It's completely different. Everyone's on this even playing field. The fact that you're fortunate enough to play three horrific teams in your division should not give you any level of like consolation prize for having a shit team. The worst part of my day to day was when Derek Carr's shoe commercial came on. (laughs) It's like, get this loser off my TV. Look, I had a blast with Jameis. Yeah, it was a thrill ride. Uh, More happened in the... 18 minutes he played Mm -hmm. than all season with Derek Carr. (laughs) I don't care if he throws five interceptions a game. It because it is something happening. Yeah. When Jameis was out there, it was like, 
Maybe they could get this Hail Mary. Uh-huh. I don't even think they would have a shot at it with Derek Carr. I think he would have dumped it down like a four-yard out route, and they yeah. would have run out of bounds as the clock expired. <laughs> why are we <laughs> acting like interceptions are, are this death sentence for a quarterback? I think just like inactivity yeah. and being a boring dope is the death sentence for a quarterback. Yeah. And Derek Carr is a boring dope. He is definitely that. I don't want to see him play another minute of football for this team. I gave him a chance because we all lied to ourselves and acted like he was a pro-level talent. He's not. He's a average, below-average quarterback. Yeah. At least Jameis is, one, interesting and likable, and two, he'll just throw the ball. Yeah. He'll he, throw it. He threw the ball clear across the field. <laughs> On a jump ball to a guy who's never played a game. <laughs> he wasn't throwing to Calvin Johnson. He threw 50 yards across the field. There's no way he even saw him. Like, he's completely blind. Jump balls. Like, sure. On first down, he's throwing a triple coverage, you know, like, whatever. And I guess the, the, and where you probably come from this as well, is like, I don't really care if they lose a bunch of games because I don't think they're good anyway. Right. And I think that's probably a more accurate representation of like how they could po- ever be good is to have Jameis just have a game or two where he just catches fire. Yeah. And they somehow, you know, pull off a miracle win or two and then you, all of a sudden you're in the NFC Championship. Yeah. Right. That's, that's essentially. It's more reasonable. It's well, more likely. It feels like. You're if you're gambling with long odds mm-hmm. as compared to Derek Carr, you're gambling with better odds, but you're not going to win anything mm-hmm. like at the end of it. You're you have no chance of getting through the whole thing because his the ceiling on it is so low and he's so boring and it's just hard to care. It's like not even just hard to watch. It's hard to care. It was also so damning of Dennis Allen to be just immediately come out with, we're not changing anything. Yeah. It's like, I, yeah, we know, man, (laughs) we know you're not changing anything. It stinks. You stink. And we're here smelling it. Yeah. It's like, you probably haven't changed the sexual position in 10 years either. (laughs) It's like, you just seem like the most boring human being on earth. You are, melba toast in a sweater fest like <laughs> he sucks man and this guy's I, a, a nil away for at a dave matthews concert <laughs> every time i listen to him talk to the locker room after the game I'm like god these guys must all just shake their heads but i guess they probably do it no matter who the coach is. i would love like, to see the group chat where the Saints players are just really talking <laughs> yeah. The, the the Michael Thomas, Alvin Kamara, Chris Olave, you know, group thread is like, oh, well, who is this asshole? Uh, yeah, it's bad. And the fact they lost in Minnesota, I didn't think was all that big of a deal. It didn't surprise mm-hmm. me. to whatever. This is going to be what happens. Uh, I, th- I actually think Josh Jobs will be one of the better quarterbacks they face this season when you look at the, the body of work. The fact he had been there for like, eight days or something (laughs) is not great um but yeah this is who they are it's going to be up it's going to be down uh you're going to have some games where things work going to have a lot of games they don't and they're going to try to eke out as many wins against bad teams as possible and i personally don't gain much from that there is a school of thought that like any win is a great win it doesn't matter what you know who it is, you always want to win the game in front of you and get to the division, get to the, and it's like, 
yeah, man, let, like if you could delude yourself into thinking that that's fun and interesting, I don't think I can. I think if Jameis is the quarterback and they're doing crazy shit and they're able to like have a game or two where they put up 40 points and mm-hmm. may- maybe, you know, like maybe I'll be more interested in that. But outside of that Colts game, it's been just really, really not fun to watch. Very unmemorable. Yeah. Well, the Saints are playing uh, Atlanta in Atlanta, and uh, they announced earlier that Desmond Ritter is going to be the starting quarterback. Ooh, he's back. He's back after getting a concussion, I think. Okay. Something along those lines. He stinks. Yeah. Stinks. Well, I guess he's better than Taylor Heineke. He also stinks. I actually think he stinks less, but he's older. <laughs> I like that we've brought back stinks. By yeah. The way. No. Solely us. Yeah, it's just us. I'll drop. I'll drop. I'll drop very odd references and <laughs> <laughs> sexual things, or whatever. But I'm not going to say the other s word. Okay. Uh, <laughs> they stink. Uh, yeah. They're. They're. I mean, just a lot of bad teams, man. And it is wild to watch like the other parts of the NFL today. And you're like, man, some of these teams are awesome. Yeah, I'm actually <laughs> looking forward to Monday Night Football tomorrow. Yeah. I was like, man, these, some of these teams are sick. Like, you know, I watched a little bit of, uh, of 49ers today. I was like, they have so many players. Yeah. I'm like, they have like 17 awesome players on their team. And then they're playing Tampa, who's got none. And they're like, well, this is the competition. <laughs> and this, you know. Uh, but the... But it is true that there's probably six, five to six NFL teams that are legitimately, you watch them play. And even if they lose in a given week, you're like, damn, that team is really good. Everybody else sort of mashed together in the middle. And there's like five teams that are completely tanking. Yeah. It seems seems like a lot of average, below average football this season. There's not that many quarterbacks. Yeah, there's just not enough quarterbacks in the league, especially with Burrow hurt and Cousins hurt. And it's like... There's just not a lot of names out there that are all that good. But even then, Derek Carr does not stand out above the crowd <laughs> of like growing into the void, you know? It's like Deshaun Watson. So there's like four or five starting quarterbacks that are hurt and or guys that just stink and uh drink. Uh <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, that it's it's uh it, it still doesn't make Derek Carr any more palatable than everyone else is bad too. Can't do it. Yeah. So what where do you think things head here? We've got seven weeks to go. Atlanta game coming. Do you think this is a division winner at nine and eight? That's kind of where my head's at. I think the Saints are gonna be Eight and nine or nine and eight, and I think either way they're going to win the division. Uh-huh. And I think it's going to be an epic fallout embarrassment. Yeah, whoever they play in the playoffs, which will probably be the Cowboys. I think Derek Carr is going to get an injury probably in the next two or three games that takes him out for the remainder of he the got season. Hit so hard in that Vikings game. You like yeah. see his face cringe. <laughs> you can so see hard. like when somebody's pupils are shaking, and it was like that. And he's going to go down in about two or three games, and everybody's going to go, "Thank God, we're going to get a chance with Jameis." And then they're going to have Taysom start, and you're not going to see Jameis on that field. Yeah, Dennis Allen gets um, promoted to super head coach. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, we do this exact same thing again next season. Yeah, it is. It feels like they are on a direct path to eke their way into the playoffs, 
throw themselves a celebration, get waxed at home, fire the offensive coaching staff, mm-hmm. and then basically try to bubble gum and band-aids their way into the similar situation next year, except next year they have a ridiculously hard schedule and there'll be a first place schedule <laughs> and they're going to get annihilated and then they'll fire everybody and they will have kicked the can. They will have basically wasted three years of our lives uh, because we all thought they sucked from day one. They hired Dennis Allen. So that's, does that make everybody feel better about their I think, time? Are I you think glad? So. Yeah. Was that an uplifting 10 minutes for I everyone? Feel pretty good. I yeah, I think we're good. So the bottom line is let's start Jameis and let's throw a party. And you can fire your offensive coordinator and do just fine the next week. Yeah. Look at the Bills. Yeah. They seem to to go. What, that guy was a a co-offensive coordinator. He was like just an offensive staff member, Joe Brady. He was like the biggest name in college football the year with Joe Burrow. Remember yeah. that? He was like the, I guess he was co-offensive coordinator for LSU. Didn't he go he, to Carolina? Yeah, he left to go to Carolina. Yeah. And then I hadn't heard his name in a while. And it's like, this dude is just sitting in the back of a meeting room in <laughs> Buffalo, and you guys have Pete Carmichael calling the plays for three years? What are we doing? <laughs> what are we doing? Who's got the photos? Yeah. I was like, what you, you couldn't call this guy? Whatever, he's coaching running backs in Buffalo. You don't think he would have left? You get the head to get the uh, offensive coordinator and call the plays? What, like, what the fuck is going on? And instead, he gets out there in a one game. They're torching the Jets, who has a good defense. Well, very frustrating. Yeah, you can really see how the other half lives. Yeah. Whenever you live in New Orleans or you follow New Orleans things, there's always an example of how to properly do it close by. <laughs> you know, like that grand city on a hill, Buffalo. <laughs> Can't quite get to them. <laughs> How are we going to compete with Buffalo? Uh, speaking of, uh, we've got a whole bunch of news for you coming out right here on the local breakdown. It's the It is filled with juicy jazz, squalling trumpets, and tiny little crawdads. You put Paris in a swamp, and that's Nolans in a nutshell, baby. Whatever. <laughs> The um the fix New Orleans Twitter account uh, posted a story about the Smoothie King Center being the NBA's fifth highest violent crime rate uh, in per the air, arena zip code. So this is that the Smoothie King Center is considered one of the most dangerous in the <laughs> NBA. We did it based on the zip code that it resides in. Um, sure. That sounds right. This is, I would say, honestly, that this is a little unfair because New Orleans is so small and the arena is actually in the center of the city. That's true. Um, I think this is kind of like just almost a coincidence. It's like, yeah, it is dangerous around there. But like, I, you know, do they count breaking into cars? No, because none of that stuff gets... Caught by the police or reported. <laughs> yeah, you have to wait for someone to fill out a thing. Yeah. Rather than just drive home with glass in your ass. Yeah. None of the none of the windows getting broken around the arena gets reported at all. I'm sure most of the getting beaten up doesn't. Getting robbed by a hooker, that doesn't. Yeah. Buying fake drugs from someone <laughs> outside of this sounds personal. 
Um, I no, can't believe there's any that are worse, though, considering. I mean, the zip code is its pretty rough, you know, the, if you think about six blocks from the arena and stuff like that. It's not great. Uh, Memphis is number one. Detroit is number two. Cleveland is third. And then Milwaukee and New Orleans. Um, 66.7% of male fans would not feel comfortable leaving a female partner or family member alone at Smoothie King Center, the <laughs> highest rate among NBA arenas. Yeah, well, that definitely checks out. Yeah. Like, I'd rather not have my wife walk back, you know, eight <laughs> blocks of the car at 10 p.m. after a game. Yeah, no, that's fair. I think that's a fair thing to say. And Memphis is weird because it's, uh, like, basically on Beale Street. Yeah. It's, like, at the foot of Beale Street, which would be the equivalent of, like, the foot of Bourbon Street. So all the crime that occurs on Beale Street is getting assessed to the, you know, to the Grizzlies, which I don't think is totally fair. Well, it's nice that the Pelican, there are two ways to leave the Smoothie King Center. You can walk down the street with 10 million people on, like, through an office building's pull-up area yeah. <laughs> where there are children playing drums, or you can walk into the completely dark abyss, <laughs> like, under the bridge where there's just like bridge people living <laughs> yeah. and there's no lights. Yeah. Um, that would have to be probably where most of the crime around the arena occurs. Yeah. I, I think that's probably there. And then like, once you get behind that South market district too, there's just sort of like, you know, tall grass. <laughs> yeah. I don't know where the zip code line ends and end at the interstate. Cause underneath <laughs> the interstate is a little rough there too. There's a couple of uh, tents and, People grilling when they shouldn't be grilling, you know. <laughs> this kind is twenty twenty seven percent of NBA fans have witnessed a crime at or around an NBA arena. That seems like a lot. I have never seen a crime. I've been to hundreds of Pelicans. Maybe games. they're counting watching Draymond Green kick somebody in the <laughs> penis repeatedly, or put them in a headlock, <laughs> kick them in the asshole, spit in their face, punch them. Maybe they're counting that. Yeah, that sounds reasonable. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, I don't think that's going to that, – that's just a story that's like, yeah, that's probably true. Yeah, well, I don't think there's anyone that would be surprised to know that, like, before they go to a Pelicans game. Like, it turns out it's uh, the fifth most dangerous arena in the country. It's like, yeah, no, I, well, I'm amazed it's only fifth. Yeah, it's like the arena doesn't generate crime. It's no, yeah, the, exactly. Um, let's see. The Raisin Cane's founder, what's his name, Todd Graves? Yes, has Jello become, Shot fame. He's become the richest person in Louisiana with a net worth of $7.6 billion. And he owes it all to the five days I worked at Raisin Cane's <laughs> when I was 21 years old. The Toast Man uh, has finally given his due. Todd, where's the money? Yeah. Does any? Why do you think people care so much about that? Raising canes? No, of like that Todd. No one, everyone knew he was very rich. Mm -hmm. He certainly doesn't have to worry about money for the rest of his life. We all kind of knew he was rich. For some reason, it was a story on almost everything that he is now the richest. Why do we care? Because he's. It's on every news outlet. I guess because he surpassed the Bensons, which seems like a huge, you know, achievement. Yeah, like for a guy that has a fast food restaurant. Yeah, but it's like that you didn't have any more money yesterday than today. 
it just came out in a magazine that he has more money. It's just very interesting that we all care, like, the ranking of who's richest. It's like, yeah, it doesn't matter. They're all gazillionaires, and they will never have to think about money in the way that you do ever for one second. The only thing that I can picture of why it would matter is, like, uh, if you think he might buy the teams for the Bensons, which there is no chance he is stupid enough to spend his money that way because he actually built his business. You sound a little concerned. Are you concerned that a list is going to come out with the richest podcast host <laughs> in New Orleans? You're be like, why do we care yeah, about this? What, 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 who cares? Yeah, I know. Didn't I, know, I have the I, same amount of money yesterday? I know. Locked on awesome. Okay. It's great. <laughs> It's not going to change me from eating the brand of beans that I eat from the can every single night. Uh, yeah, man. I just, it is a very uh, human thing where we, uh, it's like, ooh, who's the richest? It's like, Todd Graves, nothing happened. He didn't, if he sells Raising Canes, he will have a lot of money. But he's never sold it. I think he owns all of them still. Who's the poorest person in Louisiana? Good question. Good question. I want that answer. Probably the guy that sleeps next to my parking spot. <laughs> I don't know. Be. That's a valuable spot. <laughs> I don't know how much you're paying for that. I give him one parliament every day. <laughs> he doesn't ask for it. But. Yeah, where's the Forbes ranking on that one? I want a full Forbes ranking. The same, you know, how, like there's the uh, the guy who does college football. And he ranks every team, division one, two, yeah. and three. I want that <laughs> richest to poorest all the way down. Um, this was a tweet. Like it was a couple of weeks ago, but we never talked about it. And I thought it was insane. Did you see this? It was uh, the Orleans Parish DA uh, Instagram account for Jason Williams posted a happy birthday message to Jason. Yeah. And it was very, some have said, North Korean propaganda sounding. Uh, Yeah. Um, I feel like North Korea and South Louisiana are starting to have a lot more (laughs) in common politically. The post that was on Instagram and is... Our people eat a lot more. Yes. Yes. The post that's on Instagram and still is, is, Happy birthday, D.A. Williams. Today we celebrate not just another year, but 51 incredible years of a remarkable life. Oh, boy. D.A. Williams. I keep wanting to read this as, duh. Yeah, no. Duh, Williams. Duh, Williams. You are more than just a birthday. You are a shining beacon of inspiration to us all. Your unwavering dedication, wisdom, and leadership have touched our lives in ways beyond measure. With each passing day, you continue to light up the world, and we are so grateful to have you in our lives. That is intense. (laughs) That's like what you tell someone on their 100th birthday, and like, this is an amazing, you know, you're, you're my grandfather, and I love you very much. That is a wild thing to write as someone's employee. Or maybe he wrote it himself on his he, own he thing. He had to have written this himself. That's crazy. You think they do that for Dave Thomas and when he when when like the twentieth anniversary of his death? You think the Wendy's account does that? I don't think so. <laughs> that is uh, just imagine being that insecure. Like if I had a position somewhere and they were like, "Hey, we would like to do a happy birthday post," I'd I go, know. "Absolutely not. I'm a grown man. Yes, I don't want my birthday advertised to people, talked about, and please don't talk about me as if I'm a golden god with a statue, like they are doing about this doofus who has never put anyone in jail for anything. He will." <laughs> 
because he got carjacked. Now that he got carjacked, that guy's he picked the wrong man. But he's the reason why crime was particularly so bad the last two years. Yeah. Uh, you know, criminals couldn't stay in jail for 10 minutes before they were out. Yeah. And, and a lot of it came back to bite him in the ass. Maybe one of them wrote that. Yeah. That would make sense. It's pretty eloquent. If you went into the prison, you were there for 10 minutes and you got out, you'd be like, well, you're the shining beacon on the hill. You're exactly the man that I needed in my life. Someone who's going to never make me pay consequences for stealing from everyone. <laughs> so we found the writer. I think we did. Um, let's see. We've got another one. Have you heard about the booty patrol? No. What is a booty patrol? Apparently, in Florida, there was a parody truck that uh, was designed to look like the Border Patrol. (laughs) And they changed the lettering on it to say Booty Patrol. Yeah. And maybe some shenanigans surrounding that identity occurred. Yes. I guess. Do you remember on Bourbon Street when you used to walk up and down Bourbon Street, there was like a handful of guys dressed like cops? And they'd be like, sir, can you come over for a question? They worked for Razoo or something, you know? <laughs> and they'd be like, uh, you don't look like you're having enough fun. You're going to come inside and get a drink. And there'd be like always like three or four foreign gentlemen who they are paying 11 cents an hour to, uh, to pretend to uh, issue citations to people for not partying well enough. Uh, on Bourbon Street. They don't do that anymore. I always Probably thought because that now was... everyone would think they were real cops. Yeah, I think yeah. I thought it was real cops, for sure. <laughs> and you would just walk by them. you like, oh, it turns out you're not partying hard enough. You yeah. had to write you up. <laughs> well, this says that the driver was cited by the DeSoto County Sheriff's Office for having lights resembling those of, a law, en- of law enforcement. The vehicle read Booty Patrol on the back of it. <laughs> Photos of the white truck showed it had Booty Patrol on the backside and side panels with a diagonal green stripe down the side of the cab. There's also there's a photo of the actual truck and it has like the city's insignia and it's it's not quite as garish as one might think. This yeah. if you maybe didn't speak English or read English or were drunk and saw a white truck with a green stripe and in a basic boring font, it said Booty Patrol. You might go, oh, shit. Yeah, look out. They've got me. Yeah. It's <laughs> <laughs> a great idea. Well, also, the truck, the lights that were sighted on it is that it has red and blue siren Oh, lights. that's awesome. That's great. And then you look at this guy, and he's just, I mean, he looks like DJ Khaled in a wig. <laughs> This is you see those like news screens where the cryon has something stupid like local man sees dog. Yeah. This one simply says booty patrol truck owner. <laughs> you just never know how you can get famous these days. That's terrific. The booty booty patrol's a great name for it too. I never got a citation for impersonating uh Mr. Okra. <laughs> I got onions. <laughs> I didn't have any onions. I had nothing. <laughs> it was it was all a, a giant ruse, just like the booty patrol. Oh, my goodness. That's all we got this week, right? Yeah. Well, thank you to everyone for listening. We do deeply appreciate each and every one of you. Please uh, follow us on Twitter at Polk and Kush, uh, or you can email us uh, Polk and Kush at 
gmail.com. Have a wonderful Thanksgiving. We uh, are thankful. You should be thankful for us getting this to you early this week. That is our gift to you to show our gratitude for your thanks. Uh, We love each and every one of you. We'll be back next week. See ya.